0: This is day 219 of our daily Bible reading. We will be reading 2 Corinthians chapters 10 through 13, and then we will go into Galatians chapter 1. Lord Heavenly Father, we need you so badly. We need you more than ever. This world is pressing against us. This world is angry and hating us. Lord, we need your strength. We need your wisdom in these times. Please protect your saints from those that are speaking evil against us. Lord, there is a war going on, and we need to be ready. And so many of us are not. We are so lazy. We are so double-minded. Help us to unify under your banner. And help us to surrender all and serve you with a whole heart. As we near Easter, Lord, please help us to see what you did on that cross, and how you proved what you did by rising again. Please bless the reading of this word. In Jesus' name, amen. Now I, Paul, myself, urge you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, I who am meek when face to face with you, but bold toward you when absent. I ask that when I am present, I need not be bold with the confidence with which I propose to be courageous against some, who regard us as if we walked according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and Every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, and we are ready to punish all disobedience whenever your obedience is complete. You are looking at things as they are outwardly. If anyone is confident in himself that he is Christ's, let him consider this again within himself that just as he is Christ's so also are we. For even if I boast somewhat further about our authority, which the Lord gave for building you up and not for destroying you, I will not be put to shame. For I do not wish to seem as if I would terrify you by my letters. For they say, His letters are weighty and strong, but His personal presence is unimpressive, and His speech contemptible. Let such a person consider this, that what we are in word by letters when absent, such persons we are also indeed when present. For we are not bold to class or compare ourselves with some of those who commend themselves. But when they measure themselves by themselves, and compare themselves with themselves, they are without understanding. But we will not boast beyond our measure but within the measure of the sphere which God apportioned to us as a measure, to reach even as far as you. For we are not overextending ourselves, as if we did not reach to you. For we were the first to come even as far as you in the gospel of Christ, not boasting beyond our measure, that is, in other men's labors, but with the hope that as our faith grows, we will be within your sphere, enlarged even more by you, so as to preach the gospel even to the regions beyond you, and not to boast in what has been accomplished in the sphere of another. But he who boasts is to boast in the Lord. For it is not he who commends himself that is approved, but he whom the Lord commends. I wish that you would bear with me in a little foolishness, but indeed you are bearing with me. For I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy, for I betrothed you to one husband, so that to Christ I might present you as a pure virgin. But I am afraid that, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. For if one comes and preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you bear this beautifully. For I consider myself not in the least inferior to the most eminent apostles. But even if I am unskilled in speech, yet I am not so in knowledge. In fact, in every way, we have made this evident to you in all things. Or did I commit a sin in humbling myself, so that you might be exalted, because I preached the gospel to you without charge? I robbed other churches by taking wages from them to serve you, and when I was present with you and was in need, I was not a burden to anyone. For when the brethren came from Macedonia, they fully supplied my need, and in everything I kept myself from being a burden to you, and will continue to do so. As the truth of Christ is in me, this boasting of mine will not be stopped in the regions of Achaia. Why? Because I do not love you? God knows that I do. But what I am doing I will continue to do so that I may cut off opportunity from those who desire an opportunity to be regarded just as we are in the matter, about which they are boasting. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. No wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Therefore, it is not surprising if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, whose end will be according to their deeds. Again I say, let no one think me foolish, but if you do, receive me even as foolish, so that I also may boast a little. What I am saying, I am not saying as the Lord would, but as in foolishness, in this confidence of boasting. Since many boast according to the flesh, I will boast also. For you, being so wise, tolerate the foolish gladly. For you tolerate it if anyone enslaves you, anyone devours you, anyone takes advantage of you, anyone exalts himself, anyone hits you in the face. To my shame I must say that we have been weak by comparison. In whatever respect anyone else is bold, I speak in foolishness, I am just as bold myself. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I speak as if insane. I more so. In far more labors, in far more imprisonments, beaten times without number, often in danger of death. Five times I received from the Jews thirty-nine lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have spent in the deep. I have been on frequent journeys, in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers from the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among false brethren. I have been in labor and hardship, through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. Apart from such external things, there is the daily pressure on me of concern for all the churches. Who is weak without my being weak? Who is led into sin without my intense concern? If I have to boast, I will boast of what pertains to my weakness. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus, He who is blessed forever, knows that I am not lying. In Damascus, The ethnarch under Aretas the king was guarding the city of the Damascenes in order to seize me, and I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall, and so escaped his hands. Boosting is necessary, though it is not profitable, but I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who, fourteen years ago, Whether in the body I do not know, or out of the body I do not know, God knows. Such a man was caught up to the third heaven. And I know how such a man, whether in the body or apart from the body I do not know, God knows, was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words, which a man is not permitted to speak. On behalf of such a man I will boast. But on my own behalf, I will not boast, except in regard to my weaknesses. For if I do wish to boast, I will not be foolish, for I will be speaking the truth. But I refrain from this, so that no one will credit me with more than he sees in me or hears from me. Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. And he has said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I have become foolish. You yourselves compelled me. Actually, I should have been commended by you. In no respect was I inferior to the most eminent apostles, even though I am a nobody. The signs of a true apostle were performed among you with all perseverance, by signs and wonders and miracles. For in what respect were you treated as inferior to the rest of the churches, except that I myself did not become a burden to you? Forgive me this wrong. Here, for this third time, I am ready to come to you, and I will not be a burden to you, for I do not seek what is yours, but you. For children are not responsible to save up for their parents, but parents for their children. I will most gladly spend and be expended for your souls. If I love you more, am I to be loved less? but be that as it may, I did not burden you myself. Nevertheless, crafty fellow that I am, I took you in by deceit. Certainly I have not taken advantage of you through any of those whom I have sent to you, have I? I urged Titus to go, and I sent the brother with him. Titus did not take any advantage of you, did he? Did we not conduct ourselves in the same spirit and walk in the same steps? All this time you have been thinking that we are defending ourselves to you. Actually, it is in the sight of God that we have been speaking in Christ, and all for your upbuilding, beloved. For I am afraid that perhaps when I come I may find you to be not what I wish, and may be found by you. To be not what you wish, that perhaps there will be strife, jealousy, angry tempers, disputes, slanders, gossip, arrogance, disturbances. I am afraid that when I come again, my God may humiliate me before you, and I may mourn over many of those who have sinned in the past and not repented of the impurity, immorality, and sensuality which they have practiced. This is the third time I am coming to you. Every fact is to be confirmed by the testimony of two or three witnesses. I have previously said, when present the second time, and though now absent, I say in advance to those who have sinned in the past, and to all the rest as well, that if I come again, I will not spare anyone since you are seeking for proof of the Christ who speaks in me, and who is not weak toward you, but mighty in you. For indeed, he was crucified because of weakness, yet he lives because of the power of God. For we also are weak in him, yet we live with him because of the power of God directed toward you. Test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves. Or do you not recognize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless, indeed, you fail the test? But I trust that you will realize that we ourselves do not fail the test. Now we pray to God that you do no wrong. Not that we ourselves may appear approved, But that you may do what is right, even though we may appear unapproved. For we can do nothing against the truth, but only for the truth. For we rejoice when we ourselves are weak, but you are strong. This we also pray for, that you be made complete. For this reason I am writing these things while absent, so that when present, I need not use severity in accordance with the authority which the Lord gave me for building up and not for tearing down. Finally, brethren, rejoice. Be made complete. Be comforted. Be like-minded. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss all the saints greet you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, be with you all. Paul, an apostle, not sent from men, nor through the agency of man, but through Jesus Christ, and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brethren who are with me, to the churches of Galatia. Grace to you, and peace from God our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, so that he might rescue us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory for evermore, Amen. I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel, which is really not another, only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we, or an angel from heaven, should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed. As we have said before, so I say again now, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, he is to be accursed. For am I now seeking the favor of men or of God? Or am I striving to please men? If I were trying to please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. For I would have you know, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man, For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former manner of life in Judaism, how I used to persecute the church of God beyond measure, and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries among my countrymen, being more extremely zealous for my ancestral traditions. But when God, who had set me apart even from my mother's womb, and called me through his grace, was pleased to reveal his Son in me, so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away to Arabia, and returned once more to Damascus. Then, three years later, I went up to Jerusalem to become acquainted with Cephas, and stayed with him fifteen days. But I did not see any other of the apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Now in what I am writing to you, I assure you before God that I am not lying. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia. I was still unknown by sight to the churches of Judea, which were in Christ, but only they kept hearing. He who once persecuted us is now preaching the faith which he once tried to destroy. And they were glorifying God because of me. All right. Congratulations for finishing another book of the Bible. We've completed 2 Corinthians, and we are now in Galatians. Let's see what we've learned from today's reading, and we'll move forward from here. Beginning in chapter 10, Paul seems to be defending his apostleship. What it seems like is that there are some among the Corinthians that have doubts or skepticism about his apostolic authority. Some have even called him a false apostle. And so these people were most likely Jewish Christians who claimed higher authority than Paul, and they most likely lorded it over the church, if we read into what chapter 11 said. So here we are having Jewish people getting in the way again, and they still have not yet understood what Christ did for them, as well as what Paul is trying to do. It's very hard to undo this for the Jewish people, it seems, because they're so used to, for thousands of years now, being the exclusive people of God. And now that it's open to the Gentiles, they have become very jealous. And because they've had the exclusivity for so long, they think that people like Paul are lying and trying to propagate this idea that Gentiles can get saved now, when that's not the case. And Paul continues to defend that he is called to witness to the Gentiles, in fact. So what he does in verse 3 is, he is showing that the issue is not against flesh and blood, but it's a spiritual matter. The weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. Well, what fortresses? It's talking about the ones that are set up in the hearts of men. The ones that Satan creates inside of people. Where Satan gets a foothold, and then when he gets that foothold, he tries to make a stronghold in you. When it should be the other way around, we should have the stronghold within us in Christ, and Satan won't be able to get a foothold in. We need to be as impregnable as possible. And the only way we can do that is by surrendering all and fully relying on God. We try to divide ourselves in any way, we're going to fail. We try to have two masters or more, it's going to fail. So, Paul spends the rest of chapter 10 defending his apostleship. And then in chapter 11, he spends a majority of his time giving his proof of his apostleship in ways of how he's conducted himself to them how he wasn't a burden on anyone, and how he wasn't a false apostle. And he brings up something extremely important in the middle of chapter 11 here. Looking in verse 12. But what I am doing I will continue to do, so that I may cut off opportunity from those who desire an opportunity to be regarded just as we are in the matter about which they are boasting. So apparently there are people who are boasting that they are apostles, and they're trying to lord it over the church, like we were saying. But Paul is calling these people out as being false apostles, that they are deceitful workers, and they are disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And this should not shock us, because Jesus himself said that people will infiltrate the church as wolves in sheep's clothing. So they exist, and they are very prevalent, even today, especially today and verse 14 solidifies that idea. No wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Therefore, it is not surprising if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, whose end will be according to their deeds. We need to be very careful on what voices we're listening to, what influences we're being influenced by. If it's not from the Word of God, it is a doctrine of demons. Let me give you an example of one situation that happened to me, where I listened to the wrong voice and I thought it was the right one. It was about six years ago that I officially accepted Christ. I got saved at the age of 10, but I'm 100% confident that I didn't receive true salvation until six years ago. I was completely regenerated and transformed instantly. I professed Christ at the age of 10, which is good, but that won't save me. What truly saved me was the regeneration of the Holy Spirit six years ago. And since then, my affections and my desires have changed, as we've talked about. That's what that becoming a new creature does. So a couple years after that happened, I had maintained a steady course. I had done very well in not only forsaking the sins of my past, but also staying away from all the things that I was previously addicted to, such as video games. But then a voice started speaking to me in my mind, and a verse kept popping up in my head. It was back in Genesis when God was speaking to Cain. Cain was going to give his sacrifice to the Lord, and he was angry. And he was angry because God did not accept his sacrifice. Not because he didn't like him or anything, but because of the condition of his heart. There was something internal that he did not like, and he did not accept it because he did it begrudgingly, or he had some issues. And so God talked to him about that. He's like, why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, won't your countenance be lifted up? But if you do not do well, sin is waiting at the door, and its desire is for you, but you must master it. So it entered into my mind that I was, what I thought was, ready for the next step. I understood it as God telling me, why don't you introduce video games back into your life again, and see how you handle it. I'm with you now, so you should be able to handle it and that you won't be missing it so much and you'll be able to not only serve me, but be able to entertain yourself. So I was like, okay, that sounds great. So I started doing that and I started dabbling in video games again. Well, I didn't get nearly as bad as I did previously before I was saved, but I, the same problem started coming up again. And for me, it is like a literal addiction to like alcohol or drugs. And so it seeped into my mind, it slowly poisoned me, and I started having divided allegiance again. I wanted to do that instead of doing the things of God. And then I started to realize as I was going through the scripture, and after going down this rabbit hole for a while, I realized you know what? That was not the voice of God. That was the voice of Satan. And he convinced me that what I was doing was the right thing. He appeared to me as an angel of light, as a righteous voice in my head, thinking it was God. And he convinced me to do something that God specifically told me not to do. And so in a way, in my foolishness, I forgot the fact that God already said, no more games. And I allowed myself to think that God contradicted himself without a second thought, or that he changed his mind. But now I know that that was the wrong voice. God did not change his mind. His statute and his expectation for me still stands. And yet, I failed to see that. And so I allowed myself to deviate off the path for a while. And it hasn't been easy since then either, because anytime I seem to be getting close to being right where God wants me to be, Satan increases the attack, and unfortunately I'm too stupid to stay the course sometimes. And I go off, and I do the things I'm not supposed to do. And it weakens me, it diminishes my relationship with God, and I disobey Him. I demonstrate how little I love him in reality because I don't obey him. And it breaks my heart every time. Apparently, not enough to stop, though. But anyway, we're getting off track. But you see the the struggles that we have. And this was all caused by the angel of light, quote unquote, that was entering into my life. And I thought it was from God, but it was not. It was satanic, it was demonic and it was an influence that was not for my benefit. So I say all this so that you do not make the same mistake I did. Always discern the spirits. Always test the spirits with the Word of God. God will never contradict himself. God will never do anything contrary to his nature. He'll never tell you to do something that is a sin in the Bible. So be very careful what you listen to. The second half of chapter 11 is Paul describing the sufferings and the hardships that he's gone through for the sake of Christ as a means of qualifying himself as an apostle. So he does that, and then in chapter 12 he mentions a vision. Now he mentions that he knows a man in Christ 14 years ago, but many scholars believe that he himself had this vision where he was caught up into heaven and given revelations. That he could not speak about. That's why this was a very interesting way to say it. The third heaven. What is the third heaven, and what are the first and second heavens? In the Old Testament, the best illustration we have of this is how they describe various things. It talks about the heavens being the sky. So most scholars believe that that is the first heaven. The second heaven would be outer space. And then the third heaven would be paradise, or heaven in this case. In other words, the third heaven is where God dwells. So that was a glorious thing for him to experience, but then afterwards it says that he received a thorn in his flesh. Now this is a very popular piece of scripture, and it's unclear what this thorn in his flesh actually is. Because the flesh can be a lot of things, and it's likely not a literal thorn. So what is this? Some suggestions have been migraine headaches, eye trouble, malaria, epilepsy. But we're just grasping at straws here. We don't really know. But why did he have those ailments? He says it almost twice in a row. Why? To keep him from exalting himself. So sometimes God puts things in our lives to keep us humble. And when he prayed about it, Jesus answered him directly. He said, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. What Jesus is saying is that you think you need these things. You think you need this thorn to go away. But it's there for a reason. You don't need this to go away. My grace is enough for you. This was a scripture that really helped clarify things for me. And what really helped me was chapters 11 and 12 in listening to the wrong voice. Because I read this in chapter 11 that Satan disguised himself as an angel of light, and I realized I was listening to the wrong voice. And then when I've asked God in the past, Lord, why do I have to get rid of video games? My life feels incomplete without it sometimes. And I don't know what to do with myself now that I don't have it in my life. And this is the verse that came to mind. My grace is sufficient for you. I am all you need. In your weakness, my power is perfected. So that is the goal right there. Get rid of anything in your life you think you need, but God has told you no. If you know in your heart that there is something holding you back, something that is preventing you from giving everything to Christ, you need to get rid of it because God is able to satisfy you. He is the only one who can. We need to trust that he can do it. And he will take us somewhere beyond our imagination in ability, in his work, in his service, in means of magnifying his glory. He could use you if you give him all things. Consider that today. The end of chapter 12 focuses on repentance. He is asking the Corinthian people to repent from their ways. And then in chapter 13, he is giving his plans of going back to them, as well as telling them to test themselves if they are really in the faith. And how do you know if you are in the faith? Jesus Christ is in you. And what he's also trying to say is that if you are really in Christ, you will know that Paul is genuinely in Christ. So, those who are naysayers and doubters of who he is, if you really are godly, you'll know that this is from God. Why? Because, like we've previously read, these things are spiritually appraised. And so we need to remember that. These things are spiritually appraised. That's why the world doesn't understand, because they are fleshly and these are spiritual matters. Then, as he usually does, he concludes his letters and says his farewells, and as well as all the people that greet the church. And that ends 2 Corinthians. Then we go into Galatians. Now, the purpose of the letter to the Galatians is that they had some big issues going on. And the major issue that the Galatians were encountering was that they were not following the gospel of Jesus Christ. Exactly as originally described. The good news of God's grace in Christ, who gave himself for our sins, was deviated from. And what Paul is saying in verse 6 is that they have fallen away from the true gospel for a different gospel, which is not another gospel. It's either the gospel or it's not the gospel. It's either the true gospel, or it's a lie, or it is a doctrine of demons. It is not a different option. What did Jesus say? I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is only one option, him. And if it's not the gospel of the Bible, it is not the gospel. And then he gives a stern warning twice. And if you know this so far about the Bible... If the Bible has to repeat itself about something, it bears paying attention to. What does it say? Verse 8. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed, or in the Latin, anathema. Then what does he say in verse 9? As we have been saying we will say it again. If anyone is preaching a different gospel to you, that person is to be accursed. There is absolutely no compromising with the gospel. There's only one gospel. There will only be one gospel forever. And if anyone adds, takes away, modifies it, it's not the gospel. And unfortunately, that's the lie that many churches today have bought into. They have deviated from the true gospel of Jesus Christ, and therefore it's watered down and it's pointless. It has no effect if it is not the true gospel. Can God still do something? Yeah, he can do whatever he wants, but he represents himself properly, and therefore we, as his believers, need to represent him properly on how we share the gospel with others. And then the second half of chapter 1 is him showing his apostolic authority, that it wasn't just appointed by men, but that he received a direct revelation from God himself. And so that is what qualifies him as an apostle, worthy to be listened to. And that will conclude it for today. Thank you for listening. I'm Ryan, and we'll see you next time. Take care, and God bless you.